Hi, I'm Carly Zakin. And I'm Danielle Weisberg, and we're the co-founders of The Skim. Welcome to our podcast, Skimmed from the Couch. On every episode, we invite smart, inspiring, successful women to chat candidly about what it takes to get to the top, and then what it's like when you actually get there. So this is a podcast about the real stuff, the crappy days, the bad advice, the first big career win, and the people who are there for the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. We started the skim from a couch, and we have only one rule on this one, no BS. So let's get into it. Join us in welcoming Mindy Grossman to the couch. Mindy is the president and CEO of Weight Watchers, and yes, she does know Oprah. But before all of that, she's had a long history of success. Mindy was president of Chaps, Ralph Lauren, and helped Nike grow their apparel business by a billion. Yes, a billion with a B dollars. Then she moved on to the home shopping network, HSN, where she turned the company around and helped guide HSN through its IPO. So it makes sense that Mindy's also made Forbes list of most powerful women in the world. Mindy, welcome to the couch. Thank you for having me. We are very excited. So I don't know if you remember this, but I was looking through my inbox last night and we have been stalking you for about three and a half years before we got to meet you. And it's funny because you might not be a household name for the consumers of the products that you run and the companies you run, but for anyone in business, like you are the one and only. And you are a force that when we were, when we started in business, everyone said to us, well, you have to get in front of Mindy. Do you know Mindy? And we were like, we don't know Mindy, but we're, we're stalking her. And so someone introduced us and you are, we have a list of about like, I don't know, like five or so people. And I would say like heads of state are on that list <laughs> of people that are really busy, but that we continue to just check in to see if they ever want to meet with us. Stock politely. Yeah, it's called the stock politely list. And you have been on that list. I've done us. that before. Yeah. Yeah. So congratulations. <laughs> you are on our stock politely list for three and a half years. And one thing I really appreciate is that you responded <laughs> to our emails, uh, which I think says a lot. Uh, and you were also always honest of like, I'm traveling, I'm busy, but like, let's try to get in touch when I'm back in New York. Um, so it's a really big honor to have you not only on this podcast, but in our office. And we've gotten to know you personally over the last few months, uh, years, I guess. And uh, so honored to now call you a friend, but very honored to have you on this podcast. Uh, so let's get started. So... I want to ask, what was it like to graduate high school at 16? That's insane to me. You're like, like Andy Hauser. Yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> I think about myself in high school. Like, how, how did you do that? What was that like? You know, I was a very serious kid growing up. And kind of comes from my background, being adopted. I had something to prove. I wanted to give back, you know, first generation to go to college in my family. And I actually think I rushed it a bit. If I really look back and think I didn't let myself probably have that senior year and that enjoyment and everything else. Um, but, you know, I've, I felt like I had things to do and I wanted to get them done. And, you know, little bit of rush, but it was okay. I was a pretty mature 16 year old. Do people um, tell you to slow down? Every day. Uh, my husband, <laughs> he says I'm a little intense. Um, but I mean, you are intense, but it's obviously it's gotten you to this point. But at 16, at 18, at 22, like you didn't have those success markers yet. So how did you react when people told you to slow down? You know, I, 
I do what feels right to me, and that felt right to me at the time. But, you know, I did start college really young, and I was planning to be a lawyer, and I got engaged when I was 19. Like, my whole path was set out for me, and I was kind of doing what was more prescribed, as you will, of what you needed to do to be successful. And it kind of all blew up in a good way my last semester of college when I said, this is not what I want to do. This is not this prescribed life I want to live. And I ended up breaking my engagement, deciding not to go to law school and packing my bags and moving to New York City at 20 and saying, I'm going to do something different. And the whole world is unknown. So, you know, I think you go through life thinking one thing. And then I was fortunate, very, very fortunate that I had that moment. And I was brave enough to do that because I don't know what my life would have been like otherwise. So I'm picturing you as like in the Mary Tyler Moore like opening scene, like throwing your hat like in New York and just being like, I'm gonna go get the world. How do you, and I, you know, and getting to know you, you know, in the last year or so, and especially like in this new role at Weight Watchers, and even right before we sat down, you're like, I had stuff to do. Like, you you have stuff to do. Like, you are very determined. You're very goal-oriented. It is very clear you are someone that checks stuff off their list and goes after it. But what are the moments when you look back that you were like, it is a miracle I was able to check that off that list because inside I was dying? Oh, there have been many of those moments. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think, you know, if I, if I look back on – you know, what I, what I would say, so the way I would say it, I don't really feel that I've truly been prepared 100% for anything I've done. And I think that's a good thing. I think too many people limit themselves by thinking, well, I'm not ready. Well, you're never ready because you never know what is going to happen. And I grew up and my mother had this expression my whole life that uh, it's a Yiddish expression that everything in life is beshert, Mm -hmm. which means it's meant to be. And that's why I've always only looked forward even when difficult things have happened. Um, You know, for example, you know, I took HSNI, well, at the time it was IAC Retail with Barry Diller, public. And there I was on the road, on a road show, the summer of 2008, as the world was literally falling apart. And we were probably the last IPO um, before the real meltdown. And I will never forget, you know, the stock came out at $10. And then the world fell apart, couldn't get coverage. And by December 2008, our stock was at $1.43 and our market cap was smaller than our receivable balance. And I was scared to death, but I was resolute in the fact that there were 6,000 people and their families that I was responsible for and we had to keep the company going forward and we had to keep innovating and yes, we had to make some hard decisions. Were you scared you were gonna get fired? I could have cared less about me. I could have cared less about me. I was thinking about the company. I was thinking about the people. And I had tremendous belief in what we were doing. So all of those things were out of our control. And my philosophy was control what you can control. And what we could control was our ability to execute, our ability to continue to innovate, our ability and my ability to motivate people and make them feel that we were going to be okay. Um, That was definitively the leadership, you know, 
you know, we think of leadership moments throughout our career, and that was certainly a significant one. And it ended up that we actually grew in 2008, 2009, which was very unusual for a retail company. And it actually provided us with air cover to actually do some things that we might not have been able to do in a perfect world. And we came out stronger. And I think at its high, the stock was at 80. That story gave me so much anxiety. And the way that you tell it is very much, you know, control what you can, and it's very rational, and I understand that. But where does that resilience come from? Because I think 90% of people in that situation would have a very different way of looking at it. And maybe it's, it's you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. But does that resilience come from when we first started off? You said that you felt like you always had something to prove. You know, I think... The When I made that decision in college and I realized that the world didn't fall apart, actually life actually was better for me because I was truly doing what I felt was right and that not taking a risk and not doing things that could put you in more tenuous situations is actually worse than taking the risk and realizing what your potential could be. You know, when I left Nike to take the role at IAC, I'll never forget, people thought I'd had a midlife crisis. They were like, you just spent six years at Nike running this, you know, $4 billion business for, you know, and when you work for Nike, you're the cool kid. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You are the, you go to a cocktail party, you're the cool kid. Everybody, you know, wants Nike. And so I went to take over what at the time was considered a Not the cool kid. dated, yeah. you know. And I remember being at a cocktail party in, in New York, and there was a group of women, and one of them leaned over and whispered, you know, I've shopped on HSN. <laughs> and I went, I went, why are you whispering, right? But it was that sort of thing. But I saw something, and I saw this emergence of mobility and technology and brands being distribution captive, and here could be a storytelling platform, and why couldn't we do what Food Mm -hmm. Network and HGTV and DIY and Style do, but now we can sell the product. And that was the genesis of the idea and what we ultimately built. And I find that most people see what's in front of them. And what you want to do is find the people that can envision what something can be, not what it is today. And that's why I've always loved either transforming things or growing things or diversifying uh, things. I find that exciting and creative. And that's probably been, you know, what I said is I may not be the most creative person, but I want to be in the business of making either creativity or legacy or businesses Um, that much more successful. Have you ever had a crisis of confidence? Because I'm listening to you speak, and I'm like, my God. I'm like, preach. Yeah, like, (laughs) this is amazing, and how do you become this? And, I I mean, do you you ever have moments where you think about what you would have done differently? Do you ever have moments where you doubt yourself? So I would say, and it goes back to everything in life is meant to be, There are times where I wish an outcome would have been different, but I don't regret things. Um, Because what's the point? You know, you can make mistakes and you can course correct. Um, But I think if you have the right intentions, 
with what you do and how you do it, you move forward even if the outcome, to your point, is not what you expect it to be. And of course I have doubts all the time. <laughs> that makes me feel better. Thank um, you. What? You know, I, I, you, I would say when you, you get to a position, especially, you know, I, I'd say being a CEO and look, you founded your, your company, um, you've got to make decisions and sometimes you don't have all the information. Sometimes you don't have 100%, but you have to move forward and not making a decision can have more deleterious effects on the company because it can't move forward, especially in today's world where everything is moving so quickly. Um, you have to have the enough of the facts to make an informed decision and then you have to move forward and if you have to correct, you can. What ruffles you? Where, because you, you have, you're saying all these things that I'm like, you should give every commencement address that ever existed. And like, you're obviously an incredibly strong leader. And obviously it's come with a lot of experience, but what gets you where you freak the fuck out? Insincerity, toxicity, and nonsense. What's the most recent nonsense that pissed you off? <sighs> Trying to think. I, I would say... I've had circumstances where, so I'm a very loyal person and I invest in people and I believe in people. And I'll give you an example. I've been gone from uh, Nike for 12 years. I've never ever bought another brand of <laughs> wow. footwear or athletic apparel because I had an incredible relationship with Phil, with people, mm -hmm. um, and that's who I am. And I've had circumstances where I've invested in people and they've done things that I think are disloyal, but they've rationalized it for their own purposes. Yeah. That drives that me drives insane. Us insane too. How do you deal with that? Because as managers, that is the hardest part. Uh, how I deal with it? Yeah. The person is dead to me. That's how I feel like I found Dan my spirit. Yes, that's no literally what Danielle back. says. And then I'm like, no, Danielle, they're not dead. We just no, have to revive them. And I know that sounds extreme, <laughs> but you, I get to a point, you get to a point in your life where there's just so much time you have yeah. and just so many people you want to be around. And, you know, I actually had somebody a while back send me a note and said, did you divorce me? <laughs> and I said, you know what? Maybe it's not a divorce, but it's a separation. So, oh, I okay. have a new line. That is great. Danielle's like jumping out of her seat right now. I know. I'm like, <laughs> these are all the things that I think. But and here's my question, because I have always been like that. And you are like that too. And feedback we have gotten from early investors, our closer confidants, like, you know, mentors, advisors have been like, guys, you're just getting started. Stop drawing. Like, it's not everything's not black and white. Stop drawing a hard line. You're going to work with people again. Stop holding look, look, grudges. Look, not everything is not black and white. And that's true. But there's a, when a line is crossed over, you can't, you can't go back. Now, are there people in business that, you know, I've not had the best relationship with because of those things that I have to acknowledge? Sure. But who I really want to work with or work for or invest in, that's my choice. And I'm going to surround myself with people who I want to invest in. You know, I've I, I, I've said all the time that my career has been made because my 100% focus has been on making other people successful. 
I don't sit here and go, how can I be successful? Mm -hmm. I go, how can I empower other people to be successful? Because that way the company is going to be successful and ultimately I'll be more successful. And that's been my philosophy. My second philosophy is, you know, when, when I work with people and, you know, whether I'm giving tough feedback or advice, um, I never, ever, ever let anybody walk out of a room feeling diminished even if I've given tough counsel. I mean, I'm friendly with people that I've had to fire mm -hmm. because it just wasn't the right role for them and they've gone on to be successful, so but they appreciate the honest I feedback. I understand from your vantage point, but I don't, I mean, we don't know someone that you fired listening to this one day and being like, I hate Mindy Gross. <laughs> so how do you, I mean, I am sure of all the companies, you worked with big companies, that there's got to be a few people who are like, I really didn't enjoy working with her. How do you deal with that? How do you deal with people not liking you? You know, I've kind of gotten over it, right? I, and it goes back to if you do everything with best intentions, with a human-centric approach in mind of how you've communicated to people or work with people. Look, it's chemistry. Mm -hmm. Not every chemistry is going to be the same. Um, and, you know, there are people that probably haven't enjoyed maybe my style or vice versa. That's okay. Um, but if no matter what transpired, you know, you did the, did the right thing and you didn't have any ill intent, those things can happen. Summer travel is officially happening. I just got back and we Airbnb'd a place and it was great, but the sheets, the sheets were not so good. So coming back home to my parachute sheets was very, very, very welcoming. They are the best sheets year round. And now that I've experienced not the best sheets year round, I am even more grateful because no one likes sleeping when it's like really hot and sticky and you can't get the temperature right and it's just not good. So I like parachute uh, because it's better quality and also because it keep thing, keeps things cool. I'm really happy for you. And Thank I, you. I hope you, you sleep better and have better dreams. I had a really bad dream last night that you made me go to North Korea. <laughs> That's because we were talking about where North Korea is on a map. Okay, well. Uh, should we not talk about geography before No, bed? but you should visit parachutehome.com slash the skim for free shipping and returns on parachutes, very comfortable bedding and bath linens. Again, go to parachutehome.com slash the skim for free shipping and returns on parachutes, very comfortable bedding and bath linens. And they even offer a 60-day trial. So if you don't like the new stuff, just send it back. What do you do daily, weekly, quarterly? Like, how do you stay in this mental state? Danielle would like to hire you as our therapist. <laughs> <laughs> I sometimes need one myself. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if this is like the right answer to that, but one of the things that really keeps me uh, motivated, I think keeps me engaged is I'm obsessively curious. And you know how you said you've, you were you stalk okay yeah. i stalk a, a great example i um happened to see adam grant on television when give and take came out and i was like oh my goodness this is my philosophy of leadership i i have to meet the guy so i happened to meet his book agent richard pine i said richard would you please introduce me to adam so he introduced me to adam i checked out his book tour he was going to be on tour in Orlando, and I was living in St. Pete. 
So I said, look, would you come to St. Pete? I'd love to take you out to dinner. I really want to talk to you and meet you. And by the way, you just wrote a book called Give and Take, so you can't say no. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he came, and we've been friends since. Wait, and I'm so happy to hear that. I stalked him, too. And then we recently met, and we just brought him to Skim HQ and did the whole like, Q&A with him. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, I, last uh, year I interviewed him on stage at one of the NRF shows. He's mm-hmm. just a fan- fantastic human. Um, but I love meeting people, and I allocate um, a lot of my time, actually, um, to just connecting with people that I've not met or that I find interesting or, um, you know, or what they're doing is unique. And it's been very, very, very valuable because I find that too many people get stuck in the nature of their business, right? So you're in the beauty business, you hang out with people in the beauty business. You're in the fashion business, you hang. It should be exactly the opposite. Um, you know, if you look at the convergence of all businesses today, um, nobody's in one business yeah. anymore. And so I think it's really important to have continued learning. I'm, I want to learn every One single day. One of the day. things that struck me about you and when we've talked to you privately is that you're really good at building teams. You've hired rock star people who follow you to a lot of places that you go to. I want you to give the HSN pitch of how you hire people. What is your what is your HSN? If you had your HSN show, how do, how do you make your pitch to come work with you? So I actually, I, I came up with uh, this thought because for so long we were talking about the three C's of content, community, and commerce. I hire three C's. Cool, curious, and connected. And let me explain what that means. Cool does not have anything to do with how you dress. It means you are really interesting. It means I want to spend time with you. It's you're really interesting. And if you're really interesting, you're probably really curious as well. And the diversity of your thought is there. And if that's the case, you probably surround yourself like people like you. And the way I want to think about it is that for every one person that you hire, Try and think that you're actually hiring 10, Mm -hmm. because not only are you hiring that person, you're hiring that person's network if they're like them. So that's important. The second thing is that um, there's a certain amount of true humanity to whoever I look to hire. How do you screen for that? You know, I think you ask a lot of questions beyond what they've done in their career conversations like we're having right now to really understand their perspective on people, um, what motivates them. But there's a lot of people that when the, the more senior they are, like can have that conversation, but they might be different with people who are interns, for example. How do you screen for that? Well, anyone that I've really hired at a senior level is going to be working with me. I make sure that it's not just an office interview, Mm -hmm. that I'm out with that person. I see how they're treating other people. I see how they are in other environments. And I I think you learn a lot um, under those circumstances because that's when a true, you know, when somebody's guard is down, that's when you're gonna get the true person. And respect is a massive uh, priority for me. Are they respectful um, of other people, of themselves? Um, You know, and, you know, because by the time somebody is going to get to me through whether it's a search firm or other people, 
I'm going to make the general assumption that they probably have the functional mm-hmm. skills yeah. to do the role. What I have to understand is what else can they do? So for every person, I'm not, especially on my executive team, for example, that person just doesn't have their role. They're contributing to an enterprise value equation for the entire company, and they have to be able to think broadly and think deeply um, beyond just what their particular skill set is. When someone hasn't worked out on your team, is it have you seen yourself have any blind spots in the three C's that you laid out? Wait, like, remind me what the other three C's were. It was cool. And the more curious, the connected. Thank you. Um, but down. there's obviously you know, yeah, more than more that. But, but is there uh, like... So I would say if you ask me the mistakes I've made in my career is waiting too long. Um, and I'm not the only one that would, would say that. Waiting too long. To, to make a change okay. if somebody is not working out. Because the reality is that if you notice that... Everybody else notices that. And they're looking at you going, why isn't she doing something about it? And then when you do make the change, you know, everybody's like, well, it's, a, it's about time, right? And we recently had a circumstance where I made a very quick change, and it was somebody who had actually worked for me before. And I realized this was not going to work, and it wasn't going to be fair to him, and it wasn't going to be fair to the rest of the organization and I think it surprised people that I made the change so quickly and I probably wouldn't have done that years ago Mm -hmm. Um, but I promise myself that if I want to build the right team for the long term you've got to be able to make some of those hard decisions quickly. I want to talk like we've had examples of the good and the bad in that where we've waited too long or um, and exactly what you're talking about, people are like, why are they not making a change? But we've also had examples where we thought we were making the executive decision quickly and we're like, this sucks, but like, go us for making the executive decision quickly. And feedback we've gotten from our team is like, think about the culture. We all, especially at a startup, you give everything in yourself and you put everything on the line to believe in something and to join something and when you make a change like that it it makes everyone feel like you don't care or don't recognize the risk everyone has taken how do you reconcile feedback like that well yeah i mean you certainly can't be flippant with people's lives right Mm -hmm. so you really have to have gone through a process of determining that not only is this right for the organization it's really right for that person as well Um, because there are other things that they could be doing Mm -hmm. that are going to give them a more fulfilling career or opportunity, and maybe it's just not the right fit. Um, So I think if if you have to be very, very thoughtful anytime you're impacting someone's life and you have to do it respectfully and graciously, and as I said, never have people feel diminished, but ultimately you you have to do what you think is going to be right for the business long term. In reading one of your interviews... In prepping for this, um, you were talking about creating a culture where it's okay to fail. And I think that's something that everyone says and aspires to have, but it's actually very hard to do. How have you done that? You know, I think that you have to give people the opportunity to try new and different things, but you also have to make sure that they know the difference between risk and suicide, right? <laughs> and there is a difference. Yeah. There is a difference. Um, and, you know, you 
you, you can fail fast, but you also have to course correct. I think the worst thing that people can do is go down a path and not course correct because they don't want people to think they made a mistake. So you've got to be able to create some form of culture where it's okay to admit that, you know, we were going down this path, but now we're shifting. And, you know, in the 10 months I've, I've been at Weight Watchers, we've done a number of those things um, because we're trying new things and, you know, we're kind of changing the tires while the car is moving. And you've got to give yourself a level of agility to try new things and course correct wanna, if you need to. I want to talk about Weight Watchers for a second, which is you said something interesting to us when we asked you why you went there. You didn't have you you didn't need a job. You could have easily retired. You've done very well. You could have gone on a vacation. You could have advised a lot of companies. You could have done a lot of other things than taking over a company as big as Weight Watchers is. Um, why did you take this job? You know, there were a number of, a number of things. Um, one, I love the brand and I love legacy brands. When you think of Weight Watchers, who's touched so many people, it literally our 55 year anniversary was last week. Yeah. Um, wow. And there's such positivity around it. And my feeling was that there was such equity there, but this idea of going from, you know, a weight management company to a more holistic health and wellness company when it's so important to people today. And there's so much momentum around it. But at the same time, we're in such an unhealthy world. So the idea of the impact we could have. And I, I am at a point in my life where I said to myself, if I'm going to do that one more big thing, um, yes, I want to create a financial return on equity. But in this circumstance, the human return on equity that we can create mm -hmm. by changing people's lives um, for the better and helping them and their families lead happier and healthier lives, that is so powerful to me. And now that I'm there, and now that I've experienced so many people where that's actually happened, um, you know, I, I just think that it struck every chord in me of what I would want to do if I was going to do something else. And plus, I would drive everybody crazy if I <laughs> wasn't doing something else. And when you made that decision, or when you were thinking through that decision, who did you talk to? Who in your life is your biggest support system, 911 call? Uh, there's no question it's my husband. I'm very fortunate. He is, um, you know, he'll tell me he thinks I'm crazy. He'll tell me, he, you know, why are you doing something or not doing something? Um, he's the only person in the world who would have the nerve to once say to me, Mindy, a man would not make that decision, wow. okay? So um, I'm very, you know, 31 years, he's used to me. <laughs> and um, we, we talked about it a lot because it wasn't just a me decision, it was a family and us decision. Um, and he was kind of funny, he goes, Mindy, you really want to move back to New York and pay taxes? <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I would say yeah. I, I'm very fortunate. And then in addition to that, um, you know, I think especially when you know, you get to the CEO seat, there are days that can feel lonely. Who do you talk to? And I'm very fortunate that over the course of, you know, 40 years in business, I have an incredible network of people that I reach out to, whether it's to ask a question or to learn something or go, what have you done? You know, I have no problem being vulnerable. 
And I think a lot of people think they can't be vulnerable and be powerful at the same time. What are you not, what are you still not good at? What CEO skills have you still, have you like, did you tell the board at Weight Watchers, you're like, listen, if you need me to do this, I'm not your person. You know, I am not a really patient person. So I've learned over Mm -hmm. the course of all of these years how to try and control that. And when I say that, it's like I want to get things done so badly that I can sometimes underestimate the impact as something goes all the way through the organization. So I've become a lot better at focus and prioritization that way because I'm an idea person. So I'll think of something and you know want to do it. Um, so I've gotten better at being measured in that approach. I'm really comfortable saying to my executive team, here's what I'm good at, here's what I'm not, Here are my derailers, right? Um, And so if you see me doing any of these things, call me out on it. Um, I have a very forceful personality. What are your derailers? Uh, A a little bit of uh, impatience uh, gene, Um, you know, which can happen. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, the other thing I have to be careful of, I do have a very forceful personality. I love it or I hate it, right? And I may come out and go, oh, I love this. And so people feel they can't question me. Mm -hmm. Or they'll go, you know, the worst thing that could happen is somebody goes, well, Mindy said. Well, it shouldn't be Mindy said. I mean, we're going through that a little bit here. And, like, feedback we've gotten is that people are scared to give us feedback. And I'm like, why? Like, we're building. We don't know what's right, what's wrong. We just have, you know, certain convictions. How do you... How do you go through that? Yeah, no, I've, I've gotten that feedback. Yeah. And I say to every single member on my team, if you are not comfortable coming back at me and going, I know you feel strongly about this, but I think you're making a mistake, or I By think the way, there's the a better way. By the way, the noise you're hearing is Mindy literally pounding oh, the table. <laughs> no, she's, <laughs> no, it's good. It's she is the conviction. conviction. Yeah. I'm going to do it too. Please, you know, it's, it, 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 yeah, it may be uncomfortable. And at the end of the day, I still may make the right decision, but I'm really comfortable changing that decision. So, um, you know, I have to keep reminding people. And look, when you get to, you know, a certain level of management, that happens. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to call your own self out. What's the worst piece of advice you've gotten in your career? Be something that you're not. You know, I I, I, th- I can't remember the exact moment, but somebody, you know, was trying to tell me that I shouldn't be myself and I should act a certain way to either get ahead or get to the next step. And I've never been able to do that. Um, I've never been able to be disingenuous. And I've always been much more comfortable. Um, I'd rather be myself and not get the job than try and be something I'm, I'm not. And not every culture and not every environment. And I haven't gotten every job I've, you know, uh, thought that I should. <laughs> what was it like to meet Oprah? You know, it was great. <laughs> Did um, you cry? Because I cried when I met her. Uh, I didn't cry. Okay. Uh, Just me. Cool. <laughs> I didn't cry. Um, you know, so I a actually. Bit of a different it, it, context. It, it's okay. interesting. I had actually <laughs> met her a couple of times socially at, at, at events, but when I went to her home to spend an afternoon, when I started the conversations around Weight Watchers, uh, I would say the first thing I felt was really comfortable. Um, she's very enveloping and graceful and uh, very honest. And it was. Did you ask her to announce you? 
No, I didn't. <laughs> That's why she had to meet with her. She didn't <laughs> ask her these things. <laughs> no, we, we actually both shared a very similar vision for what we thought Weight Watchers could be and the belief in it. And we were able to have a really dynamic conversation and, um, you know, hugged when we left. But, you know, she's been fantastic. I mean, to have Oprah as a board member is certainly something very unique and special, and she's been incredibly accessible. Have um, you disagreed with her in the boardroom? Oh, yeah, we, we absolutely. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say less disagree and more discussion, mm-hmm. I would, I would, because we're, we're aligned yeah. on, on many things. The one thing that I have taken away from her, that there was an article on Oprah in the Wall Street Journal magazine that I thought said it well, that she is incredible at being able to practice ultimate discretion. Mm-hmm. And she has a purpose filter of her own. And we use one and we built one for the company. But she has her own purpose filter that really she looks through to decide what not to do and what to do. And I think that both brands as well as individuals, we could all be better at ultimate discretion and understanding what that filter is that we're looking through. And I've talked to her about that. And I am trying to adopt that more and more and more and be better at what to say no to, to be able to strategically move forward. Last question. Who have you not met yet that you is on the stock list, like top of the stock list that you have not gotten to meet yet? I'm trying to think. I don't know. I'll have to think about that for next time. That's a great answer. (laughs) (laughs) It's an aspirational (laughs) answer. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for everything. Thanks for hanging out with us. Join us next week for another episode of Skim from the Couch. And if you can't wait until then, subscribe to our daily email newsletter that gives you all the important news and information you need to start your day. Sign up at theskim.com. That's the S-K-I-M-M dot com. Two M's for a little something extra.